Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Place. This is Scott Weather, your usual host. And as always, I'm joined by my companion, <laughs> Julian. How are you doing? You okay? I'm doing fine. I feel very earthbound at the moment. I see it. Trapped in exile. Uh, just just with a TARDIS console, trapped, trying to get it fueled up. Um, we are back and we are continuing our Doctor Who retrospective each episode we're covering a different doctor and what we have done a bit of research and continue uh, confirmed or we've not confirmed but we've determined to be the either favorite or most impactful story for each doctor and we finally made it with to the third doctor the john pertwee era doctor and we're going to be doing the seven episode story inferno now as, as julian sort of highlighted there this is a different kind of doctor this is early john pertwee and this is uh, post Troughton. The Doctor has been exiled to Earth. His TARDIS has been deactivated. He seems to have just the console unit um, and, and nothing else. He is then also uh, working with UNIT as a scientific officer and is accompanied by his companion, in this case, Liz Shaw, played by Caroline John. Um, and for this series, let's give a quick rundown of the story. Uh, the Doctor is working on a site where there is a project being undertaken to drill down to break through the Earth's crust to find a source of cheap energy from the, the planet itself. Um, and he is using uh, the nuclear power that is used to generate uh, to power the drill to try and repower the TARDIS console. Um, as this is happening, several things seem to happen as the drill goes <laughs> down. Green goo uh, leaks from the drill head, um, which doesn't perturb the uh, Professor Stalhelm or Stallman, the, for want a better phrase, knobhead at the head of the at the head of the, <laughs> uh, the project. And uh, he pushes on. There is a power surge, and whilst trying to sort of uh, restart the the TARDIS console, the Doctor is shared well, so shared his beard not into the past, not into the future, but sideways into another dimension where the same project is going on. However, Britain is now run as an authoritarian communist state, it seems to suggest, um, in which the same uh, events are going to be played out and we're going to find out what is hidden at the, the, core, uh, the core of the earth and what happens when you do drill through uh, the crust. And he's returned, finally returns back to our dimension just in time to stop the drilling and prevent... Uh, the disaster from taking place all across seven episodes so that's the sort of a rundown of the story that's inferno um so julian what are your initial thoughts then on this doctor who story <laughs> well it's very mixed um mm. because i i feel like i mean this is basically the doctor who mirror universe you know episode mm. um and i feel like uh, I, I don't know that i've ever seen uh pertry uh whole episode uh featuring him um, the, obviously this whole 
finding energy from a gas, you know, there's some gas that's hypothesized. None of this makes any sense. It's never really revealed who these, you know, aliens, these creatures from inside are in the entire serial. Um, and basically everything in our world or, you know, in the unit timeline, whenever that is, um, most of it does not work. A lot of it is embarrassing. Pertry looks like uh, Roger Moore's version of James Bond at his worst. Like he's dressed like Vandal Savage, you know, and he, you know, like there are those, like there are those action sequences with Roger Moore where you're like, damn it, he could pull it off. And then there are these other ones like he's an old stodgy British dude, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. um, and Pertry just seems like it was like he has no charisma, no anything. And those first two episodes are slog. Mm. And then the second you get into the, the well called the mirror universe, everything works. Everything just works. And I'm just like, I love this. I don't know why I love it, but just like everything is just heightened drama. When you let the characters be baddies, they're so much fun. And it doesn't even explore like this fascist Britain, you know, there's, you know, it leaves all of that to the imagination, but somehow it just works. All of that stuff, I think, is great. Yeah, uh, you know, you said Roger Moore's um, uh, <laughs> James Bond. See, I I think of Austin Powers. Like this is totally sort of like the the, the frilly shirt and everything. However, I kind of liked him as the Doctor, like in that sort of like ridiculous way like he he paralyzes some guy who's got this is venusian venusian karate or something and you're like <laughs> oh my god and there's a later bit some of the like you said the action scenes there are there are, there are two others that like just like literally made me laugh out loud and towards the end there's one where he's been he's been marched away by two soldiers and as he's taken out into the entrance his, his sister goes uh, i'm sorry about this gentleman breaks feet and he's like karate chop onto the back of their neck <laughs> and they go down and they runs off. But the other one is at the end, they, they go, they're into the sort of where the, the bulkhead is, where the drill head is. Like, there's an entire room. And they, the action scene consists of two flips <laughs> where they've got them. And he's sort of like, it's clear they're stuntmen because they've got the masks on. So they're like, oh, we can do something a bit extra. So they do some flips and it's like, right, that's it. We've done two of these now. Move on. Like, you know, <laughs> we're, now, we're now just going to tussle again and do some bad fighting. Um, and so, I, but again, like you say, I'm enjoying all of it. I have got questions um, <laughs> for, for some of the things. However, I kind of like John Pertwee as a doctor for this simple reason: like, I'm not sure if he's actually acting, or if he's just this sort of like, you know, he's very laid back throughout pretty much all of it, and he is trying to play almost like a Bond. I think they're trying to have him as that sort of like dapper, sort of like. Mm -hmm super spy kind of character uh, again sort of like playing against type because Troughton was very different was sort of like that sort of like mischievous and was fun, you know sort of a bit grumpy and all sort of stuff this guy's a bit different um well, but he's it kind also of driving a car you know and he's driving <laughs> a old-fashioned car painted yellow you know I mean it, and it feels very out of place it feels very just a guy on a base and and there are yes. And, you know, I'm not trashing Pertree because I think as soon as he's in that that mirror universe, I mean, he is charismatic. He mm. is commanding. You give him somebody to really fight with, not just, you know, yeah, the fight scenes are, are a little lame. But um, 
when you give him somebody to rail against, he's quite good and he, he gets mad. And, yeah. you know, it, then I believe it. But when, when Doctor Who has this problem for me that is not true in other shows where somebody happens to look human, but I never forget that they're an alien. Mm. Doctor Who sometimes, and it, it it depends on the Doctor involved, like, you know, uh, Eccleston, I don't believe, is an alien. You know, mm. I just have never watched a shot of him and been like, yeah, you're a 600-year-old alien. I don't believe it. Uh, when Pertree is just on the base, I just feel like he's a weird consultant or something, you know? Yeah. He, he doesn't feel special enough. No, I know what you mean. The, the, the energy doesn't come out until he goes into that sort of like second dimension, that sideways into that alternate reality. Um, and also like the humor, like you say, there's, there's sort of like him and Liz sort of like sitting just side of this. Cause they're not even on the main project. They're just there. Siphoning energy is pretty much all they're doing. <laughs> um, and so it does, it does feel sort of very sort of like, um, yeah, coincidental and side note, like, you know, he just happens to be on this base and being the science advisor for unit and the brigadier's there, you know, and that's about it. Um, and he sort of turns up, goes in, just fills with his computer, and go, but there's never, like, he, then there's him and the professor, and this is actually something I want to bring up because it felt like such a massive missed opportunity to me. Um, you have this professor, Stalham or, or, or Starmer, or, you know, they, he's like the head of this project, he is obsessed with this thing. You know, he's he's arrogant and he's sort of um, dismissive of everybody, you know, patronising. He, I mean, like, he really is vile to sort of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this woman um, who um, plays his assistant. Um, I think the character, I'm going to find the character's name in a second, but like she, she is sort of literally his assistant. Um, Petra. Okay. So you have this idea of like um, this professor and his assistant, and then you have the doctor and his companion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that should be like, you know, there should be a dynamic there. They should be playing this off as almost like he is this, this guy is the antithesis of the doctor. Like, you know, or the doctor should see something in himself in this person or something mm-hmm. like they, they should. To- At first I thought that's what they're setting up. So I thought that when he goes into the alternate reality, like, okay, they're going to explore that there. Then this idea of how the doctor's obsession was what got him into trouble in the first place or something. And now it's being played out, but it never comes up. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a very good point. And I mean, that structure is certainly there, especially mm. with the mm. sort of female assistant and the sort of like driven, masculine boss um who who often in both of them just say do this and i mean even in those first two episodes they just tell their assistant to do something and their assistant has to figure out later what it was about or that there was an ulterior motive yes and that's it and it's sort of like i was thinking like oh this is going to lead to something Mm. and then i'm like oh no this came out in 1970 they haven't thought about it that much they want to get to (laughs) the monsters but it feels like it feels like a massive missed opportunity um of, of doing that where you could have that you know i think new who would definitely have approached it especially like watching pertwee yeah. i'm going yeah this feels like capaldi yeah that sort of like you know not as curmudgeon not as mean. no yeah but like has that sort of air to it but yeah I, um however i did sort of like find him 
like you say, when he gets when he's allowed to do stuff, like he feels a bit more fun than oh yeah, you know he becomes more fun. Yeah, and I I like that he you know I mean we haven't got to the point of of wearing um, celery in your uh, pocket as a decoration. Mm. I mean the silliness is reduced to really you know his his martial arts you know the action <laughs> sequences. I mean there are I think you know you may have mentioned I think there are three times where he escapes custody. <laughs> you yeah. know it's like this is clearly just the Doctor Who's writer device. It's like you know anytime the Doctor is in custody, he could just escape with you know a Vulcan nerve pinch basically. You know yeah, um, and he just pulls this trick over and over, but. You know, outside of that, it's he's not a goofy doctor. And I quite like that. I like mm. that he's so I mean, it, it sounds like I'm with Roger Moore parallel, like I'm I'm trashing him. I just feel like but it's not really him. It's the whole scripting of the unit stuff. And I think this is very common with everything I've seen of unit and I've seen a decent amount. Um, you know, it all sort of falls flat like it should be. I mean, I'm used to, you know, I mean, I'm used to the A-team. I'm used to, like, American television. You know, my idea of, like, a military show is not, like, uh, all the bureaucratic excerpts from Tinker Taylor just stuffed together, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, so there's, there's a funniness. I kind of like that. Um, but again, this show, this 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 story actually sort of not so much takes uh, pokes fun at that, at that but actually takes it almost like to the next degree like it sets up um you know the brigadier um Lethbridge Stewart is on on the base and he has that moment you know, several moments in the first couple of episodes where that is the case where it's sort of him following bureaucracy and he's sort of like you know there's this constant mention of sort of um you've got the professor then the, this this guy that um uh, Sir Keith uh, Gold, something like that, and he's like, yeah. I have power. I, I have, you know, I control this. He controls that, and there's an executive structure, so I don't have the authority to do this and do that. And then, and uh, the brigadier is only in charge of security. So, so there is this sort of like silo working of of bureaucracy, and so they they play it out, and then they go to the mirror universe. I love that the use of that the mirror universe. And it takes that to the nth degree, where even in the, the yeah. final crisis, yes, there's a great uh, one where they're, they're going, well, you shall stay here and do your duty, and you will do as you're told, da da da. And then the Petra character is saying, is actually saying, like her her belief in the state is like, well, if it got so dangerous, they'd come and save us, surely. But like, you mm. know, that's what they're there for. There is a system in place to help us and keep us safe. And you're like, no. <laughs> Uh, and I kind of like that 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 does play out that there is that thing about the the you know how bureaucracy um, it can it can be sort of good but is mostly bad I think is what this show is telling us. Yeah, and there is that odd sort of um, especially in the climax of the the mirror universe bit where I think it, it I think is it uh, Keith Gold's. Uh, um... Oh no no it's in the climax of the regular bit. As Gold is saying, you know, no, you know, I don't have the authority to stop this drill that I totally believe is about to destroy the planet Earth. <laughs> you know, like, like, well, I've told you all what it's going to do. I have fulfilled my duty within yeah. the bureaucracy. That's as far as I can go for the species. You know, nationalism comes first. It, it is very odd. 
Yeah. Well, it's not odd though, because that's that's British bureaucracy. That's that's you know red tape. We love it. You know, there isn't a queue we won't join. It's that sort of thing where, like you say, this guy's it's a job's worth, isn't it? It's that thing. Oh, it's more than a job's worth to do that. Like, woof. That's not my that's not my territory. You know, my authority goes up to this point, and then I've got to defer it to somebody else. Um, and right, I kind of, I kind of like, but I mean, yeah, but you know, with the earth on the line, like, well, you know. but that's the point, though, isn't it? Again, it's more. This is more about the people because he keeps saying, "Well, you, you, but you haven't shown us the proof." Like, yes, this mm-hmm. thing's happening, but you haven't shown us the proof that it's as bad as you're saying. And I don't have the authority. Like, it's listen. I don't want to put my job on on the line because if I'm wrong or you're wrong. Right. Like it impacts me, and I love they have that. There's a re- like a, almost like a hero reveal of the evidence that it's all gone pear shaped mm. at the very very end because the door that that heat um, door comes up and yeah. uh, Professor Stalum has, has basically turned into um, a werewolf, <laughs> which we'll get yeah, to a primoid. Uh... A primoid. No, they're a werewolf. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, who, uh, who run really hard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it's very bizarre, but um, and that reveal, and then they're all like, "Oh no, no, we, we, oh no, this is wrong, it's broken." Yeah, turn it off. Like you know, they do jump to it, but they need that definitive evidence because any sense of them getting into trouble means, "Oh no, I'm not risking that." Oh no, no, no more than a job's worth that is. Yeah, I thought that was weird because not only is it, I mean, it's like the the shitty last bit of evidence, right? You yeah. know, the convenient last bit of evidence. Well, you know, so, I mean, and for a while I thought, great, well, he is a werewolf behind the door, but he's not going to raise the door. (laughs) As long as he keeps that door shut, they're just going to permit the planet Earth to be destroyed. Yes. Um, Yeah. But but then, uh, you know, it's not even that it's it's played as if it's the last bit of evidence. But it's also that the guy in charge is clearly trying to murder you and you yeah. have to kill him to stop. So this is, the hierarchy is false. I mean, if that had been a, another crew member, but not technically the guy in charge, if the guy in charge stays behind the door, do they still say, well, it's clear he's wrong, but I've gone right to the limit of my responsibility. But And this is almost where, though, in comparing this to new who especially if you were to watch uh well i'd say i'd say like you say tenant or or you know the david Tennant, matt smith years in particular there'd be that moment where someone would be saying that and you know and probably the doctors as well we'll see i think they've got the personality to do it but that thing of saying well i don't have the authority to do this and the doctor would then step in and go well i don't need the authority to to say to do this i'm just gonna do it and then wave around the sonic screwdriver and, and do his thing that would that's what i would expect to happen but in this the doctor sort of goes all right yeah. <laughs> after, after highlighting that he's a man of action and doing this the stuff like they still all stand around and wait for that heat dog to come up um yeah but that's part of what i what i find so boggling about the the stuff set in our reality versus the mirror universe stuff i mean not only is i mean when i think back on it i think all that parallel reality stuff Really, you never get off the base. Mm-hmm. You see, there's a shot inside a car going to the base. That's yeah. you know, obviously on a soundstage. Outside of that, you never get outside the base. You don't see books being burned, or you know, the the British High Command, or anything that would make this interesting. This should not work anywhere near the level that it's working at. 
But just because all of those Mirror Universe characters are fascinating and, and the sort of very Mirror Mirror uh, bit of the Doctor having to say, trust me, I'm from this Mirror Universe and seeing, you know, the the uh, eye patch and the scar, you mm-hmm. know, is like the, the, the Spock's goatee signifier. Like, I, w- I wanted to highlight that. I, w- I really wanted to highlight that. In Star Trek, the Mirror Universe, they've all got goatees. In the mirror universe, in this one, they've taken all the facial hair away. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's evil to not have facial hair in this one. So you know, I'm all good, just so you know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. The what the thing, that mirror universe though, and this is what I thought. There was some interesting stuff in there. Like you get this thing about they refer to you know any, anyone above them is referred to lead, as as leader, mm-hmm. um, and this way it works. Like some of the dialogue, there's little bits. There's the guy that's the sergeant, Sergeant Benton, in, in our world. In this one, he's called uh, something like um, Platoon Underling. Mm. That's his title. So I'm like, okay, they've, they've done these nice things. That, you know, they've got uh, Brigadier is is the... Uh, Platoon Underleader. <laughs> that's it, yeah. And so you've yeah. got all these sort of like these these different titles, which I really liked. Um, but also, like you say, the, the, one of the things I thought was interesting, if you look in the background... In uh, the mirror universe, there is a picture. So in the in in mm. in the in our world, at one point they show a picture of the queen mm-hmm. on the wall. In the mirror universe, there's a picture of this mustachioed guy looking all serious and solemn, and it appears in several places. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's the dictator. Like, you know, yeah. he's not important. Like he's, he doesn't. You never meet him. But there's this idea again of being this sovereign dictator, and they call it like the they call it sort of like uh, the republic and and. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1941, the um, uh, they actually state at one point in 19, was it, I think it was 1941, they said that the royal family were killed. Um, they actually state that in the dialogue at one point. So I'm like, oh wow, that's like you know, and uh, the, the doctor, departure point, yeah. And the doctor's like, oh, shame, they're, they're a lovely family. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, again, sort of like, there's little bits that sort of give you nuggets of the history of how this has all come mm. about, but like, you don't, it's not important, you know. It's just this mirror universe, but it does add to it. Like to you say, um, even at the end, and we'll get to the end about the, what the disaster is. When it shows the disaster, which was a bit of a bloody gut punch, I was like, Jesus Christ! When the world erupts, it shows people like it's like the the that thing threads. Like there's people like just sat with ash going on them and all kinds of stuff, and I'm just like, mm. oh wow, like okay, they're really gonna throw this at you. Um, it's not, it doesn't need it, but you just get this image of stuff going on outside in the world. Um, but yeah, no, I felt like there was a definite, like a shift in tone and a shift. And even the actors, like the guy who plays the brigadier and obviously plays the, the brigade leader in the, in the mirror universe, like, you know, playing it different, playing, you know, really wanting to ham home that this is a different kind of character, um, is, was, was really good actually. And I, I enjoyed all that. Well, I was reading, I mean, this is the uh, last appearance of Caroline John as Liz, you know, as Mm. the companion. And apparently she was pregnant and, uh, you know, they didn't want to bring her back. Um, So for whatever reason, this is the end of her as a companion. But it's interesting that she commented on how much she loved playing the evil Liz Mm. and was kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to leave because she didn't enjoy playing Liz, but she liked playing the evil one. And I think that comes through in the in the episode. That, yeah. Yeah, that all those actors like playing their evil counterparts. They're having fun. 
Yeah. It's just like it's the show just mat it just comes alive. Yes. And when they're on that base, you know, with unit, it just seems very staid. It seems very, you know. No, I agree. One of the things I would say, you talk, we'll talk about Liz actually in a minute, because you, you're totally right. Like her role in 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 the regular, you know, Doctor Who universe is minimal. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't do a great deal. She's she's a scientist. I like again. She's marked out as being a scientist and a doctor, so she's a, a competent um, female character. But again, like you say, she's sort of like brought down to the Doctor's messenger in yes. many respects. Like she just she's sent on an errand for on behalf of the Doctor. She contributes in several occasions and stuff, but like really not. But like you say, when it, you can see when she plays the evil Liz. Um, she has an arc, like she gets to play a really strong character, she gets to play something different, like she's clearly, like I say, relishing in doing so. Especially at the end, if anything, I felt there was that, that moment at the end when she sort of like, you know, the, the, it's all gone, the disaster has happened, it's all happening around them, and she's becoming like that take charge kind of character. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, yeah, she, she's doing, I, I loved all that, like, I was really enjoying, that's really cool stuff. You could tell she was enjoying doing that too. Mm. And the sacrifice she makes at the end and all this other stuff. So, no, I, I couldn't believe that. I think she seems like she, I read the same, or not, not that your bit, but the fact this is her last episode. And it does feel a bit like she was short shrift. Like most companions yeah. have that sort of like the chance to leave. Yeah. But like between episodes, she is dropped and then, mm. you know, they get a new companion, which is a bit naff. But yeah, there's no companion goodbye. No, which feels, which feels a shame. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're right. Even the brigadier, sort of like you know, obviously playing that sort of like stuff shirt, sign of sort of like you know, uh, army, playing the villain as the Br- uh, the brigade leader, like you know, he, he, and get to play a coward as well towards the end, as, as mm. you know, so yes, he's clear he's really enjoying all that. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know what it is. Um, whether I mean, it is even when uh, in in the main universe where Lethbridge Stewart is able to fight with the doctor, where they're, you know, exchanging quips and insulting each other. That's probably the most lively, <laughs> you know, they are. And, and I don't know, maybe it's just this sort of like, uh, you know, within the British bureaucracy and with a doctor who doesn't say, my God, you're, you know, destroying the universe, you know, uh, somebody's got to take action. Um, you know, with a doctor who's just sort of going along within the bureaucracy, mm. it sort of becomes this staid military sort of show. Mm. Um, that you know, I mean, it's just it's a different show. It's not it's not a bad show per se, but when it lets itself be, and and again, you know, I don't know why it works so well, but right away, the doctor's placed in peril. He's going around, and when he <clears> sees Liz. There's the question of like my, you know, Liz, Liz, my God, it's you, right? Like, and then there's this. She turns around and arrests him with a gun, yeah. and yeah. you know, it's and it's such a simple thing, but it's so dramatic and and it works, and you know, it just drives you forward and pulls you in. No, I agree, but it, it's a, you know, it weirdly. You're saying that there's a lot goes on with this, and this is something I wanted to mention because we've talked about the sort of the the mirror universe. <clears throat> but the crux of all this is this the drill, this thing of drilling into the through the Earth's crust. I'm going to explore that a little bit later. But th- there's this green ooze 
that is coming out. And if you touch that or if you are infected by it, then it turns you into this primoid, primoid or whatever you call it. It's a werewolf. They look like a bleeding werewolf. They, 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 make they have hair thing. on their hands. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They even use some of the 1940 style sort of like werewolf effects. Like it's, you know, <laughs> yes. it's that sort of style. Um, <laughs> with, the, with the fade of the two images. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I'm watching this and going, okay, that's that. These are the, these are the monsters. This is the alien. This is the threat. But they're barely, yeah, they, they sort of, they come in later on and it's this thing about an infection and it can sort of pop, you know, infect people. But if, again, it, that feels lesser to some of like the mirror universe stuff. Um, it's like they they have you know, they turn up or they grow, and again, it, it, I'll make my Prometheus point in a moment. But like, um, the the werewolf people or the primoids and stuff feel like almost like an add on threat. Like we have to have a creature, so we're going to have these. But they they don't really, you know, they don't really add a great deal to the plot. They're never explained. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, at no point is it like the this green ooze is the essence of this f- species that used to exist millions of years ago in, in you know, the, the, the Earth's core. It's never explained. doesn't matter. Why are they hairy? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we last discussed the macro terror where we also agreed that the, the um, uh, sort of lobster people, you know, uh, were not necessary yeah. and really were not sufficiently explained. Here again... I mean, here it's even worse. Mm. Um, there's no explanation whatsoever. But at least there, there was a motivation. They had taken over, you know, this fascistic, you know, mm. um, human enterprise. Here, I guess they lived inside the earth and the drilling brought them out. I, I, I guess they climbed the drill or the green news just transformed humans into them. That's what it is. The, the tr- what the, is the, the green news? I mean... Okay. So this is this is the first thing. So the the green ooze is the black oil from Prometheus. Mm. <laughs> so the moment that guy touched it, the first thing I was like, "You're supposed to be a drilling expert." Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure anything that's smoking and oozy that comes out of a drill shaft, you don't touch. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's lesson number one. Like that's front page of your manual. Don't touch stuff you don't know what it is. Um. And then there's a whole thing, and it just felt so ridiculous in that sense of like you know, but yeah, I I don't want a full explanation. Like we don't need to know, but we, at least acknowledge you don't know what they are. Yeah. Like at no point does anyone go, this is inc- this is crazy. We have no idea what these things are or what it's doing to these people. So I mean, what is this green ooze? I mean, there's no real. Yes, it's a monster of the week, and it's and yes. it's the lamest monster of the week imaginable. You know, as you say, like 1940s style werewolves. Yeah. Um. You know, who have, for the record, have kind of like a green face paint underneath their false yes. hair, but their necks aren't green. I no. mean, it's not like their bodies turn green. It just makes their faces ugly, I guess, and makes their hands ugly. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's very bizarre. So it's the, like the lamest monster of the week. But it's all caused by some sort of green ooze. There's no alien here. There's no agenda. Nope. They just are really hot and like they're really hot. I mean, because they, I, you know, I guess it's not even that they live inside the earth, right? They're just a side effect of whatever virus or whatever well, is in this green ooze. Here's the thing. Yeah, the green ooze needs to be addressed. 
that you needed at least some sort of analysis because <laughs> they sort of bypass it and they're like um I, this know. is a script note like you know you write at the top of the script the green ooze needs to be addressed <laughs> yeah it does right like they even try to they try to pass it off, don't they? The professor's like, you know, well, if, if it has if it has mass, it can be analyzed, and like, it's beyond analysis. It's too hot or whatever. And I'm like, you've got you've got the doctor there. Like that's rubbish. That is the worst m- passing off of this at all. Because um, the first thing as well is like, you know, and again, this is simple things. Those things have hair, right? Mm-hmm. And they live underground. And it's going to be sort of like they, if they're supposed to have lived with the magma and all that stuff under the earth, or where it's extremely hot, like that wouldn't be your best evolutionary. <laughs> design. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel yeah. right. It feels like okay. Well, they should turn into something else, like an earthworm. Like why are they not, you know, insect based or something? It just felt wrong. Um, and yeah, you need to have an, you need to have addressed the the ooze. The ooze needs to be. This is the essence. This is some genetic material. This is a parasite. Something it doesn't have to be big or good. Just something to go. This ooze is a problem, and this is what it does. Because I'm not even, just, at the end of the episode. They don't even address it at the end of the episode. No, no, there are no not, questions about it. No. no, nobody says. You know, what were these guys all about? Like, what was their agenda? Just to kill us? I mean, you know, the green ooze makes me go crazy. I'm pretty sure that that is the same green ooze that if you brought some baby turtles up to them, they start <laughs> mutating. Do, do, that would, and again, this sort of when I was getting annoyed about the the hairiness of mm. them, I almost said, okay, well, how about it, like you like the turtles? Like it, it, what it does, it brings out certain elements of the genetic thing that's it's in. So we have hair, and so, so it sort of makes us hairier, or it makes you takes you back to this sort of like I don't know whatever primitive form, which they're not because they become dogs. But um, it, it, yeah, it just they just became this sort of like pointless extra that didn't really need to happen, or. You, you need to take them further and have them actually be an antagonist that is actually trying to have this thing happen. They want this disaster so they can take over the world because they can then live in that atmosphere. Or right. That's kind of, yeah, it, it, that's kind of implied, but never really is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like there are elements of this plot that only make sense if they live in the Earth's core. Right. Because they like the heat. Mm. Okay, maybe that green ooze is some kind of virus that needs to stay really hot, but its speed transforms the body. It's I mean, it does seem as if this is some sort of like race of subterranean people and that that they should have the agenda to make the earth hotter somehow mm. through this disaster. None of that is correct based on <laughs> what we're actually given in the script. It's just all a happy coincidence that they, yeah. you know, I mean and the other thing is you were saying like how unnecessary they are. First of all, all the fight scenes with them are super lame. Um, You know, the makeup (laughs) is super lame and, (laughs) and they also get in the way of this whole bureaucratic reading, because if the problem is just following bureaucracy and this crazy, but you know, interesting, fascinating sort of dictatorial head of project Inferno, um, Focus on that. Focus on the hierarchy. I mean, to say that he's everybody's following his orders, but he's also simultaneously infected with this thing that only he is fighting. You yeah. know, he's fighting it through the whole show. 
I mean, other people seem to transform basically right away. So we can attribute his saying, no, keep drilling, I don't care, yeah. to being infected. I mean, none of this makes any sense. No, it doesn't. And that's the problem, like, again, because it's not addressed. Like, you know, is his, you know, is his need... Towards the end of the you know, the, the period in the Mirror Universe, so you have the, their version of Professor Stalin, and he sort of says... Um, I will do this on my own. We've got to increase the, you know, the speed at which we're drilling. It can't, you know, it's got to happen as soon as possible. Basically, like this, you know, it can't happen. As, and you get this feeling like it has to happen because he needs this atmosphere or something. And again, the doctor actually says it at one point as well, doesn't he? They say, "Oh my God, they're gonna, they're gonna, uh, they're gonna be poisoned, or they're gonna be, you know, they must be in real danger in there." He says, "Oh no, I don't. I think." I think you'll find that they're, they're able to cope in there better than we expect or something. Yes, yes. And so you're like, oh, okay, so they are creating an atmosphere that they can survive in. What are they then? <laughs> like, yeah. at, at, try and communicate with one of them or something. Like, there's just nothing that, that I don't know. They become, they almost become like an. I mean, are, is there a set of them that live underground? No. Like, the, 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 there shouldn't from, be. No, it's them. Like, so you touch the ooze, right? And the ooze infects you, and it transforms you into one of those things. That's all. Right. But, but at no point, like, even at the end of this, and this is what I sort of like when, when this ends, and the doctor, you know, is, is the disaster has been averted, and they're, they're packing up the project. And again, I was a bit like, hang on, because he says that oh, we're going to fill in the hole, or you, you know, you need to fill in that 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 drill shaft. I go, okay, don't break the Earth crust. However, what you've got already is a massive scientific discovery. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't be filling in the hole. You should be sending sensors down there. You should be doing like taking samples of, of the, the Earth's crust, like take stone soil material samples or samples. Like I'm going like I'm going like no, don't fill it in. Just stop drilling. Like just use right. it. What is this ooze? Analyze it. What happens if you know? Like, where's it from? Is it a danger to other mining things? Like, we we keep talking about uh, drilling for yeah. oil repeatedly. All right, how far down is this? What what can it be used for? Is it a danger to any other mining things? It, it's almost like they just go, ah, oh, well, like that one didn't work. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those moments where. You know, you see this the strains of the plot, right? Where like yeah. the the function of the monsters is to be the monster of the week and to be a threat. It doesn't yes. really matter if they have a motivation. It doesn't really matter how they're created. We gave you green news. What more do you effing want? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the function of the mining is to create a way that the Earth is going to explode on the timer. Mm. Um, it doesn't really matter that it's a mine. It doesn't matter that, you know, you know, I mean, just a line about filling in the shaft is all you need. It doesn't matter that there are other drilling operations around the world. Like, you know, we might want to tell the Chinese, don't dig too far down or the earth explodes, you know. Well, but again, it doesn't matter because it's functioning the plot. It's just to blow earth yeah. up on a time. I, I, it, this is where like, there was like, things in this I really liked. Like, they bring in a guy like um i'm going to check his name they they get they bring a guy in uh da, 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 i'm going to find him. greg sutton they bring in this guy you know mr sutton greg sutton and he is he is a mining expert mm. 
you know, Bruce Willis from Armageddon level mining expert. That's the kind of thing. Like this guy's been mining all over the world, and he's there as this sort of saying to them, like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, if you know, there is no. And I liked his presence, and they actually make a really good point of like, you need a good engineer on a project like this. And I'm going, mm-hmm. I'm going like, yeah, you do. That's a really good point. And he keeps saying things like, there is no such thing as a small emergency on a mining rig. Like, you know, this mm-hmm. and he. I'm, I, he is great. Like he is that level. Like there's a there's a moment when uh, Petra says to him, sort of like you know, I thought you were made of sterner stuff than this. Like you know, it's not like you you know. I didn't think you'd be uh, so worried. And he says, "Worried? I'm terrified. I yes. know what can happen when things go wrong." And so like it adds this. It adds a good level of drama. Where he's going like, "No, no, no. I've seen this go wrong. I've seen people killed and stuff." So I like him as a presence. And like, so you go, okay, so you're acknowledging this idea of mining across the world, that it's an expertise, that it really is dangerous. And then you're going to continue to do really stupid things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's sort of like it gives with one hand and takes with the other. But Yeah, and I don't understand why the commander is so determined in both realities to keep doing this. I mean, there is the the sort of, okay, everything can be explained by the green ooze. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in one reality, he's infected. In the other, he's a fascist, right? And that seems to be the only justification that you need. But he is so determined. Um, I mean, to the point where they've passed, they, they, they refer to passing the, the safety zone. So they've gone beyond where they're yes. supposed to, their maximum. They're in the red safety zone, and they've now exceeded that. There is no version of of this. I mean, the other thing is, you're a member of the military. The military does not generally exceed a safety zone, you know? I mean, it follows protocol pretty effing well. That's one of the big advantages of the military is... You, yes, you get this hierarchy where people say, aye, aye, sir, you want to blow up the world? That's your prerogative. But the benefit of that is that, you know, people follow certain protocols. And mm-hmm. one is don't, you know, if, if the tank is running into danger, will explode imminently. Don't keep running it at that speed. Yeah, but this is where the professor in particular, again, the, the fact that the, the fact evil Liz has an arc and evil uh, brigadier not so much has an arc but has you know a deeper character like they try and show different things <clears throat> the professor stolom in both universes is mm. so two-dimensional like he starts yeah. off as a dickhead and he dies as a dickhead <laughs> like there's no change and again like this is a simple i, I know i know i do this often and I, i'm sorry but like if you, you know, you firstly, there's no difference between him and in the mirror in the mirror world universe. They are both the same. Like everybody mm-hmm. else is evil. He appears to be evil in all the universes. He's just a vile person. Just like me. Yeah. That's yeah. what what's they say. Evil all the way down. <laughs> um, but like, have him be different. He's not different. Like, you know, but the other problem is in, yeah. the, in our universe, like if he was to sort of start off as determined, but willing to listen frustrated even but like no no i I understand that there's these limits we cannot pass it's frustrating and i understand but i understand why and then gets progressively obsessive until he is pushing through the danger zone that makes sense but the fact like from episode one is just like no if i could be down there with a shovel i'd be doing it myself like it's Mm -hmm. 
like there's no arc there and it's the same in the fascist universe where i'm like what is his motivation they both become infected and so you both thought, okay, so what is yeah. your motivation? Is your motivation that you want to break through because you are now in pain and you see this is the, you need to have that atmosphere because it's the only thing that's going to save you? I don't know. I don't know. And, and yeah, it, it all feels so nebulous that I'm like, are we having to pick answers out of the, out of the, you know, out of the air? Yeah, that's a good point about him not being different. And I, I sort of thought about that too. And I thought, you know, one of the things that, this doesn't do is have a good character in that mirror universe. And that's such yeah. a convention of, um, I mean, yes, there are arcs, right? You know, even, even the Brigadier has an arc and certainly Liz does, but, um, you know, that's such a convention. I mean, even on the animated GI Joe show, right. You know, I mean, part of when they go to the mirror universe, it's like the Baroness is a traitor to Cobra, you know, I mean, there's always that one character who it's the bizarre, you know, it's the bizarre effect, isn't it? Yeah, right. And and that's so interesting to see. I mean, and, and you know, precisely because the director is so one-dimensional, it would be interesting to see, you know, like, I mean, how easy would it be to just show some literature to show that he's against the British government, you know? Um, I mean, there's just a, to but, throw but that in. A, but there's an easy fix. There's an easy, again, I'll keep saying, switch Sutton and the Professor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. In, in our universe, Sutton is the cautionary one, and the professor is the you know the obsessive mm. one. Switch them out mm -hmm. in the in the evil universe. Mm -hmm. And All so Sutton's need... in charge. Yeah, yeah. And it's the in professor the that's certain. It's the professor that then sides with the doctor to help him. Mm. And then you know mm -hmm. that knowing that that he has that in him in the, in that universe should then allow the doctor to have information to go back to our universe to right. try and break the, the, the you know. Very very good. That's a great script note. That yeah. that fixes so. Sorry, much. I know, I know, I, I do this, I do this, and well, I, I know it's annoying. But, but it's implicit. No, no, no. It's implicit in the story itself because, like you said, he's the director is so mean right from the start, so mm. determined, and it's worth noting that he is so dismissive of the doctor, mean to the doctor. I mean, anyone who's mean to the protagonist, right? Yeah. Is you know, is a baddie, bad, bad, but. Um, you know, and also so obsessive. But that would make more sense if we then saw his other self and thought, mm. oh, okay, you know, there's there's another side to him. And so we have to learn to see that. I'm also confused by why he hides the infection. <laughs> if he doesn't know that it's green news, like, I mean, I know he's not supposed to touch it. He's touched it and he wants to stay in power, right? Which is sort of what I take yes. as main motivation. But I mean, if I'm experiencing a medical emergency and I'm, and I'm becoming a werewolf and I'm <laughs> starting to crave living at 140 degree temperature, I might talk to a doctor. Well, you say that, but that to me, I, I spotted that. And that is a zombie movie trope. Yes. That's the person that gets bitten. But then you sort of, you know, they'll peel back the shirt and they're like, oh, my God, I've been bitten. And then they cover it back up. And then later on. You know they turn, they turn, and they sort of, you know, uh, take somebody out. So I didn't think anything of it because I'm like, yeah, I've seen this a million times where this happens, and so fine, right? But, it, move but on. it's not good. And at no, least no, no, in no, zombie no, movies, right. like they know what a zombie is, right? Yeah, like you know, it's like true. I bit, and usually there's some justification of like, all right, I mean, I know I'm gonna have to like kill myself before I turn, or tell them before I turn. There's some sort of justification of like, yeah. I want to have that heart to heart. 
before I tell my daughter, you know, like, you're going to have to kill me in five minutes, you know. But here, they don't even know. It's like, he, I mean, I've touched Green Ooze and I'm beginning to transform. I, you know, he, the in the early stages of that, it's not, he clearly does not know that he's becoming one of these monsters. No. You know, it's just, I better keep this hidden. And, and he hides it with great alacrity you know he he puts a a book over you know the uh, mm -hmm. like a little uh notebook over the the green which yeah you know no problem <laughs> you know that's not look at your palms yeah uh, but the, the thing is he continues to do things like this that that don't make a great deal of sense mm. because he also in both universes they don't trust the computer <laughs> and and they appear to have also both pulled the same trick of taking out some microchips on whatever it is. And so, because you see him do it in the, the normal universe, um, and then in the mirror universe, when the computer starts breaking, the doctor says, oh, but you'll find it's missing this mm -hmm. micro circuit. And they're like, how did you know? And it's like, yeah. oh, because they've done exactly. So the only person that hasn't changed, not only haven't they changed, they're doing exactly the same actions mm. mm -hmm. um, in this thing. And it, one of the things, to go back to this idea of having the alternates, they, they actually set up what this goody person could be. Because at one point they accuse the doctor of being either a spy for a foreign um, country or a representative of one of those free speech protest groups. Yes. And so I was actually going, oh, so so one of those is clearly going to turn up at some point. <laughs> nope, nope, doesn't turn up. But but yeah. that's clearly what the, this Professor Stalin should have been in this this other universe, in the Mirror universe. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, thinking along those lines, the show also clearly doesn't seem to realize that this is a problem for the show and for its depiction of unit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you are showing that Britain is one twist away from becoming a fascist state, you know, you might not be so enthusiastic about a military show that's based on yeah. following <laughs> orders, you know, yeah. including following orders that are in this show not it's not unit's fault but following orders that is going to destroy the world yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> and that's what i mean like yeah and this is another thing i have with the problem at the end if the doctor's not going to break the authority mm. it should be the brigadier mm -hmm. to show that he isn't this character from the other universe mm -hmm. that he's the one that should step in and go well for the right reason for the for the greater good i'm telling you to do this you're right. It's, it's it's this odd script of like I'm seeing you know everything everything I've just said is a trope. It's a cliche. Like everything I've just told you is a cliche, but this show seems to be so unaware <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of the story it's telling that I'm that like <laughs> like even in 1970 these things should be obvious when writing this show. Yeah, that's true, and and but I think it also reflects problems that we've had with the the previous two serials mm. we've discussed where. They don't really seem interested in following through on their ideas. I mean, yeah. we were talking about, you know, in Macro Terror that they had a sort of fascist state that is never really resolved. They just decide to do differently. 
Mm. Um, but there's no real desire to explore what that means, right? There's no desire. I mean, it's like, let's just go to 1984. You know, here it's more 1984 than Brave New World. Yeah. But, you know, let's just go to 1984. Let's copy what's useful for this plot. And that's it. Mm. <laughs> we don't need to think about those themes or develop really an alternate timeline or question identity or, you know, or, or even put in, as you're saying, these like tropes that are entertaining that yeah. present themselves. It's as if we're writing this for the first time. Yeah. And, and that's sort of that's a real problem when you watch this. It does sort of you do you could the problem is because you because they're so glaringly obvious. When it doesn't happen, you sort of go, oh, either they're going to do something interesting, which in which case, all oh, good, I'm happy with that, or you know, or they're not, and you go, oh, they're not. <laughs> yeah. And it happens repeatedly where I'm like, this becomes a bit of a frustration. To counter it though, this is the thing I would say. You say about it coming alive. Uh, when it goes to the mirror universe, and I did enjoy this. We are we are picking this apart, and there are real flaws with it. But I did enjoy this, especially in the mirror universe. And one of the things I will pick up, as you sort of said, is the dialogue. <clears throat> and there are moments of dialogue in this that are really funny or really well done. Um, there's a moment when the Doctor's trying to explain he's from a different uh, universe, mm. and they're trying to do it. They're doing a um, a check on him. And it, it just appears to be based on his description. You know, there's no one fitting his description. I'm like, that's really poor checking, but okay. Fingerprints yes. is being done. You could do anything else. But there's a moment when they said they come back and said that he that no one of his description exists. And he says, well, that's because I don't exist in your unit. I don't exist on your world. And the, the, the brigadier says, well, in that case, the bullets won't hurt you. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, like, and then when he's in the in the prison uh, and he's lying down, he says, "When well, no, the interrogation is done," and he puts the gun through the sta uh, the the bars, and he's like, uh, "Stand up! I'm telling you to stand up." And he says, "Well, well, that changes everything." And sort of like, you know, it's just the sort of the sarcasm and stuff. I was like, "There's some really good moments in this." Um, and again, like when Liz tries to sort of talk frankly to him, and he's like, "Oh, I've seen this. I've seen how author or authoritarians work," and he sort of he breaks it down. I was like, some of this is really good. Yeah. Like some absolutely. of the dialogue is really, really good. Unfortunately, then they keep tripping over themselves with the story beats. Yeah, I mean so I mean the obviously the the whole non-alien aliens, the monster of the week, mm. are terrible. Yes. They're not needed. They look like crap. Um obviously the drilling to the to not even to the center of the earth, just you know, if you drill a little bit deeper than we're used to drilling. The earth just explodes. That's, yeah. a, that's a fact. Um, all of this is really terrible. But, you know, in, in terms of the structure of the overall serial, the first two totally take place on, on our earth. There's conflict between the doctor and, and um, you know, the uh, commander of this drilling operation, the director. But And then at the end of the second episode, I mean, horrible pacing, right? The end of the <laughs> second episode, he disappears. Episodes three, four, five, six are almost entirely in the mirror universe. There are a few shots where the camera, you know, I, I actually quite like this, where, you know, instead of like a uh, rolling transition or something, it looks, you know, the camera sort of 
the shot sort of flies far to the side. Yes. And, you know, and then you see a scene in the other universe and then sort of flies far back, which I thought was really cool. But they, for the most part, stay in the mirror universe, which the episode Mirror Mirror of Star Trek also does. But those five episodes, I thought, like, you know, basically those first two are, like, poor. Mm. They are, they're, like, a four to me. Yeah, yeah. All of those Mirror Universe episodes, the, the those five episodes, are, like, a seven. Mm. I mean, like, they're just firing. They're not firing on all cylinders. They still, as you point <laughs> out, have these problems. But they are, damn if they are not entertaining. And how often can you say that about a show that aired in 1970, you yeah. know, with a very little budget? Uh but it's, just, it's like magic to me how much it just takes off. It does. Uh, again, it's like a different tone. Is it, there's, a, there's like a tonal shift. Like you said, it starts with, a, with him being chased and he jumps in. The, there's a car chase. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and he's being shot at and he's fighting. It's like it's a it's a massive tonal shift and it, it definitely helps. Um, and, and that sort of allows you, I think, to be taken on the journey. Of it. And also because. One of the things I like about it is actually that the doctor acknowledges it's like he doesn't understand. He doesn't know. He's like, yeah, I've sort of been sent sideways uh, into another universe. Didn't know that could happen. Seems weird. Mm-hmm. Like even the doctor's slightly off kilter with this whole thing. Um, and so you do feel a bit like, oh, this is interesting. This is actually feels like, you know, and it's not, I always like mirror universe episodes. As you said, like mirror, yeah. mirror. Uh, the red dwarf ones, whenever they show sort of like those were always really good. Um and so, like, yeah, I like this idea of seeing these alternative versions. There's, a, like you said, but it, it's not a hundred percent. It's not even probably eighty percent. But it's, it's. There's moments from like, this is really good. This is actually, you know, this is w- really working. Um, there are other bits though where it sort of says, um, he doesn't exist in that universe. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, huh. How did they deal with the Dalek invasion of Earth? Like, how have they done the, the, yeah. the stuff? <laughs> the stuff that right. he's the stuff that he's done that has saved Earth, even as even as the, up to the third iteration. So, okay, fine, but I'm gonna I'm not I'm not gonna sort of approach that. This other things could have happened, but um, well, I mean, a different show could say that there's a quantum split of the timeline caused by that TARDIS that that you yes. know that the TARDIS him shifting into the mirror universe created that mirror universe mm. but still yeah I mean I know exactly what you I mean is there well I'm you know he putting it in current <sighs> continuity I mean is there no Gallifrey yeah what, what what's happened with yeah I mean it doesn't really make sense yeah so you know, but I'm I'm sort of fine because it's a little nitpick, but it still sort of like stands out of going like, and I always hate that when you do have that things of doing these sorts of things, uh, or even time things with like you don't exist anymore. I'm like okay, well why have all the stuff? The ripple effect of is much wider than all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, no, but generally, like you say, the interactions are good. The 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 one the two characters I like, and this is something I wanted to get to actually. The two characters I like the most in um, the Mirror Universe is Petra and Evil Liz. Evil Petra, Evil Liz. Because they're the most interesting. Like, the Evil Petra, I'm, gonna call it, I'm just going to kill that. Mirror, the Mirror Petra um, continues to be an assistant, but is open to sort of starts to listen towards the end. And, and she's the good one of the good characters. Like, she actually does 
shift. She's like, no, we've got to do this. She's willing to sacrifice herself and go back and check all the electrics and do all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, okay, cool. That's that's interesting. Like she's actually a really interesting character. And then evil, you know, the mirror Liz as well sort of has that arc and where she sort of like takes charge at the end and sacrifices herself to allow the doctor to return. Almost like, look, our world is is unsavable, but you can go and save another sort of thing. And I, I like that. But the one thing I was that even in our in our world, like you it acknowledges that Petra is this is second in she's pretty much assistant, but she's second in command to Professor Stalin. And Liz is a scientist and has all this stuff. And so it sort of it's, it highlights repeat. I'm sure there's any any others in there, but like they are strong female characters. Yeah, although it's weird, right? Because it's like, um, you know, it's only in a mirror universe <laughs> that women yeah. can have agency, right? And and this is common to a lot of mirror universe stories, right? Like on Enterprise, you know, uh, you know, the a, a woman becomes empress, and you know mm-hmm. that it continues into you know um, Discovery. Um, I mean, even even in the original Star Trek one, um, you know the Kirk's consort, uh, yeah. you know, has a remarkable amount of agency. Um, yeah, so, I mean, th- there is this sort of implicit critique of, you know, patriarchal military culture. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird that, like, you're supposed to sort of, you know, intrinsically hate or distrust this alternate universe, but then you do go, there is these things where you go, well, they seem to have a better standard of life. <laughs> <laughs> these women, uh, you know, I, mean, I don't know what the, the general populace is like, but yeah, I, I mean, is it that they have a better standard of life or that they have been allowed to develop in a way that they're like they've been allowed to be ambitious, right? Mm. They've been allowed to envision themselves having agency in a way that isn't possible in our world. <laughs> but does it, and is this, this is something I'll be interested in from a, you know, see if I don't want you and I to go, obviously, we, I don't think we're in a place to sort of discuss feminism, but. You could. I'm going. Oh, it's impressive that they're giving these characters. However, actually, to flip that on its head, is it actually saying, well, the, only the evil version? So women have an ambition is evil. That's the dangerous world that is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that feels like actually it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, is it? Well, what's that infamous Star Trek episode where you know, like the the there's a woman led uh society where you know they're like all monsters and evil um you know and it kind of wants to be like but we all need a balance but the balance is men run everything yeah yeah. Uh, yeah i mean i i do think there's a sort of suspicion especially we're talking 1970 right i mean there's a suspicion that you know a good woman is really a wife Mm. and Yes, they could be in jobs and be quite competent, but that's really an oddity. And when a woman sort of presses it too far, and I think you see this in a lot of films of that era and even later too, where, you know, um, you know, I mean, if whether it's like basic instinct, you know, mm. sort of like this distrust of a woman sort of in the lead, right? Uh, yeah, that thing of like strong female sexuality, you know, equals danger for men. So it, it thus bad. Um, 
<clears throat> yeah, I'll, yeah. I just, it was interesting you can permit that. women to have a certain amount of freedom, but if it goes too far, you know, bad things are going to happen. Um, See, but, it disrupts I the mean, balance. <laughs> yeah, there is this odd way in which this episode is is sort of like pro-feminist in that it gives these women something to do and it gives them real agency and they save the doctor's life. Mm. But also... You know, it's only in this mirror universe that women are permitted to have this freedom and to such a degree that this is the last, this is Liz's last serial. You know, and she had a yeah. lot of fun in playing the mirror universe character. Yeah, ironically, because she becomes pregnant. So again, that thing of like, you know, we're not even going to give you, we're not even going to bring you back for a cameo to give you a goodbye. You're too busy being, you know, a wife and mother. Do mm -hmm. one. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little too on the nose, like yeah. reality imitating art, yeah. the anti-feminist message. So, yeah. Um, mm. So I, 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 I'm, I'm conflicted about that portrayal. I'm glad they got to do it and have those, mm. be that character and to enjoy it and, and be the evil version or the sort of the mirror version and have that freedom to do the things. However, as you say, it feels well, a little bit heavy handed. And, and, you know, not that we want to go off on a political tangent, but, you know, keeping it to the episode, I was very disturbed by the first episode's presentation of gender. Mm. Um, you know, there is this, uh, you know, this sort of sexual banter that is permitted on the and, and is criticized. Right. I mean, it's pointed out that this is not cool, but it is depicted as totally acceptable for a man to hit on a woman in a professional workplace in a way that is very cringe today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, right away, I mean, I am watching that episode and I'm like, I'm not sure how much it knows how bad this is. And I'm looking around that army base and I'm thinking like, I find myself thinking like, you know, what a terrible inefficiency for a nation or an organization like this to not use the talents of half the population. Um, you know, that seems like an inefficient, like a loss to the mm. country. I mean, even outside of, you know, feminism and, you know, social justice issues, it just, that seems like a loss. And you see that base and everybody's male with few exceptions. And the women have to endure this culture of, which is not really, I mean, it's depicted as, yeah, it's not great, but, I mean, there is a light put on it, but it's not really depicted as bad. Yet, yet again, though, let's flip that on its head, because if, if I remember rightly, is it, is it Sutton that comes on to Petra? Uh, I, I, think that's, I think that's right. It, yeah. It's Petra and who's the victim. Yeah, and she says, I'm basically second in command, and you'll treat me as mm. such, and da 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 so again, you're saying that you know, oh, you know, that you have this problem with gender. Again, I think this is a character setup. You could take this as a character setup. What they're saying is, oh, she's not, she's not a friendly woman. This, this, this goes back to the culture of the seventies. She's not a friendly, receptive woman. She's cold and obsessed with her career. She's a baddie. <laughs> And she's, that, a, she's a real bitch. Yeah, she's exactly. A, she's a ball breaker. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. 
she doesn't smile enough when I tell her what a pretty butt she has. Yes, that's that's exactly what this is. Like, yeah, can be shown as going like, oh, she's she's strong and independent, standing up for herself. But that's not the intent. The intent is to show in a negative light, say that exactly that she's a ball breaker. And so when she is sort of, but you know, angry with everybody else, it's not that she's independent or strong. No, no, no. She's just one of those women sort of thing. That's that's how I read it, thinking about this from the 70s. Yeah, I didn't read it in quite the same way. But I think that it works with, I mean, obviously the show isn't trying to do this, right? No, no, no. But it, it works with what we've said about women in the mirror universe, that like, you know, if you want to do the feminist reading, it's right there from the start. Mm-hmm. Gender's going to be a part of this show and what yeah. we're going to do in this serial. And the feminist reading is we presented how horrible it is in the, you know the 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 main the patriarchal unit u- universe, but at the same time in this fascist universe, there's oddly more freedom. And let we're challenging you, except this isn't intentional. But you could also run the non-feminist interpretation and say, yeah, it's really condemning her in the unit universe for being mean and not you mm. know playing along with sexual harassment you know and then in when it's when women are allowed agency that you get a fascist you know that goes along with a fascist prison yeah actually that, that goes to my next one of the next points i want to sort of just quickly question we both referred to it as fascist mm. this mirror universe is it though i don't know I would say authoritarian. I I had at first I was like, oh, they're wearing brown shirts and they've got that sort of like, you know, he's got the even the eye patch and all that. It sort of like feels like it's leaning towards that fascistic sort of like view. However, that thing of like leader and having and the guy that they have in the image is just wearing a suit. There's no military uniform involved in the dictator, um, and they refer to it as this is for this, you know, for the state. I, I, there was definitely to me a communist reading of, um, of the situation. Like this is a because they, they were they were quite keen to mention that they got rid of the royal family. It's a republic. That all felt very sort of. This has been 1970s. So again, you're into the Cold War. Mm-hmm. It, it felt more to me like a fear of communism, and you know, very prescient right now. This fear of. Um, Russia and and the USSR and and China and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it knows, right? No, that's fair. (laughs) You know, I mean, there is that Nazi-like, the swastika-like sort of emblem, right? Which is one of the key signs, like, it's like Rick and Morty, right? Like, you know, oh, this is another fascist universe, right? Like, (laughs) when you see the swastika-like emblem, it's a bad sign. Mm. Um, but you're right, there are these kind of communist overtones. I would just say in 1970, I'm not sure that anyone knew the difference. Yeah, um, well, I would say in, in 2022, quite a few people yes. know the difference. Right. And, you know, for the record, I mean, of course, the communists, you know, hated the Nazis yeah. and the Nazis hated the communists. And, you know, they did wind up, you know, they did early on have a have a, a, lion, a peace treaty, rather. But that was... Shocking to the world because both mm. of them, especially not the Nazis, were so anti-socialist. Mm. Um, despite that, people today, especially on the right, like to pretend that it was a socialist movement. 
Yeah. Uh, it absolutely was not. Um, same thing with fascism. I mean, the whole point is ruled by corporations, right? Mm-hmm. But but even today, like even among people who can't tell the who can tell the difference historically, there is this sort of like fascist generalization of fascist as authoritarian. And yeah. I think it's it's here that it's kind of like this is not a full presentation of a fascist state, right? No, authoritarian seems to be interchangeable with fascist, doesn't it? That's mm. the thing. Like, you know, the ideology is you know, indeterminate and therefore fascist. <laughs> that seems yeah. to be the, the sort of like, um, yeah, like I, I was just curious because it's sort of like, it, like you say, I think like they don't know. They're just sort of like, well, they're all wearing military uniforms and they're generally bad. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how I mean, this does beg for another treatment, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, the whole sort of we've seen Doctor Who episodes where sort of time is altered and, you know, there's but the whole sort of like mirror universe thing and, you know, a fascist Britain. And, you know, I mean, this is something that knew who with better scripting, uh, you know, being aware of some of these implications of gender and British history and British, the British tendency in that direction, you know, I mean, no sooner was yeah. World War II won than, you know, Churchill was pretty committed to following the Italian model, yeah. um, shall we say. Um, you know, could really do a lot with this plot because I mean, you know, when we were talking about the whole mirror universe thing, it's amazing to me how well these episodes tend to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned G.I. Joe, one of the most beloved episodes. Uh, it's a two-parter of the animated G.I. Joe show from the 1980s is where they go into a mirror universe, yeah. you know? And, yeah. Well, because that's something hap- that happens in army shows all the time. But, you know, of course, that was a gonzo kind of show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's a pretty effective. And basically all the Joes are dead. I mean, like, mm. it writes itself. You're in it, you know, you're, like, finding the dog tags of your dead comrades and stuff. Like, freaking awesome, you know? The doctor's eva- having a car chase, and he's like, Liz, you know? You know me. And she pulls a gun on him. This stuff is just naturally so dramatic. It would, well, the fact that like you say, you know, to go back to our, one of our previous ones, uh, deep dives again, like Red Dwarf did it multiple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they introduced an actual in-canon character in... Ace Rimmer to do just this, <laughs> and then they did it with Angels and Demons. They do it with Back to Reality. Like they love this idea. Even the Inquisitor brings back this concept of the alternate <laughs> version. So it does. It, it works well to the extent of it being used multiple times. Um, so yeah, I I would love more of this. Um, I would like to see the the Doctor redo this. One of the things I'm actually curious about is we said it sort of with the Macra Terror. And and you know, it's sort of it's sort of you know can be looked at here as well. The macro terror we said sort of like he basically leaves and there's there's an aftermath to um what you know leaving that planet in the state that it's in. Sort of like you know they had a purpose now they don't and there's all this other stuff going on. In this one, like there's so much unresolved. Like you know they're like oh we haven't we haven't addressed the green ooze this massive shaft what the hell's underneath the earth. Um, I've left an alternate universe to its destruction. Like, I'm just trying not to giggle because you said the phrase "massive shaft." Yeah, <laughs> we should have seen how much, how many uh, uh, double entendres I should be, we should be able to fix into this around mining. Um, yes, 
Um, drilling rights. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm almost seeing like there, there's an episode of Who, like you know, or even like an end sort of point to a to a Doctor, where like the sins of his past, like mm. go back to classic Who and be like, mm-hmm. these are the ones that weren't written particularly well, <laughs> and have like big sort of like you know legacy problems. I want him to be faced up to this, you know. So you suggested that with macro terror, and I think it's quite brilliant. Like, and and I made the analogy to like um, space seed, and then going mm. to you know Star Trek two. Think of how I mean. Obviously, that's a high bar, but you know that was very effective. It's not like space seed is the best episode of the original series, <laughs> right? It's strange that you would go back to that. Um, macro terror, I think, works very well for that. Uh, what is unaddressed here and what are the possibilities there? Well, like you say, there's this whole thing of like, what the hell is the green ooze? Like they have just, they fill in the, the you know, the drill um, shaft. It's, 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 it's gone. All right. But what is under the earth? So, you know, the thing I would say is like, you know, you, you the different ways you could go is um, this ooze was actually kept has been analysed and found to have become a parasite and say, like, I don't know, the master now has it, and be like, you left this stuff lying around. <laughs> like, you know, this is coming back to get... If anything, I'd like it like the master is the one that's going to keep confronting him with his failures. Like, you keep yeah. putting yourself there as the doctor, as this great fixer of the universe. Let's, let's, go, fa- let's go back and face this, this, and this. Or, like... If he's able to shift, like, yes, there's TARDIS technology, is able to shift between universes. And it has happened in New Who. They did it with um, they did it with a Cyberman story, I believe. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. um, like, okay, let's have that. Where that world was basically absolutely obliterated, but not destroyed. And so uh, Evil Liz or a character or something from that... Yeah. Um, survived. I did find myself thinking, I mean, you know, of course, the destruction, you know, is, is we have to talk a little more about that. Mm-hmm. But I did find myself thinking, no, don't destroy this other world. I want you to revisit this. You know, yes. it's so prime for revisiting. But then I also think that about, you know, we talked about Dalek invasion Earth. Uh, I, I think that about the you know the uh, uh, serial that prompted that. Um, you know, yeah, you saved Earth, but there's you know Earth is a wreckage. What what is it like fifty years on? Um, mm. I, I you know I want to see that stuff. So yeah, it does it does occur to me that like setting up a mirror universe for who that gets revisited like the Trek mirror universe. Yeah. And developed over time, which of course you don't have to wait for in Doctor Who, right? You just use the TARDIS to fast yeah. forward it backward. Would be that's, pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, there, there are ways to do this. Like, yeah, have someone survive. You know, you obviously, obviously, the actress who played Liz. Mm. Uh, you know, what you could bring it back. I don't know. You have that thing of like it's taken us all these years to rebuild, and you know. Um, we took a sampling of your technology before you left, whatever, you know, something. There's easy answers for it. <clears throat> and 
but have the I think it should be the master. Now, what I should say is John Sim is coming back as the master, and he is my favorite version ever. Um, I like Miss, too. Yeah, yeah, I like Missy, and I like some of the early versions. I forget the guy's name, but I like some of the early versions. But John Sim has just got that balance of menace and, and maniacal that I kind of like. I have it to have him showing the doctor these things of like showing like your failures. And I'm pretty sure you could go through classic mm. who and be like, you know, this is almost like this is your life, big red book. Like, you know, this you think you've saved these people. However, one year, 12 months or like one solar year after, you know, um, you destroyed the macra, <clears throat> this is what happened. You know, you right, you race in. You think you saved the day, and you leave this chaos behind you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. This is this is. I think this is a really good story there for. Yeah. And I want to see yeah. more. I want as we go forward with these other doctors. Are <laughs> we going to find that you know, Peter Davison basically sort of like leaving a planet to its own destruction or something like? I don't know. No, I think I think so <laughs> because I think there's this. You know, and I mean, and, and Trek did it too, right? I mean, there's this sort of like, well, the episode has to end. And mm. the primary function of these plots is to provide entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. That's why there's a monster of the week. That's why, you know, I mean, the mirror universe stuff was to save money. You know, yeah. I mean, you could redress the same sets and say it's the mirror universe and just stick those four episodes in the middle instead of having two serials. Um, you know, but um the because of that these tend to have the endings where it's like yeah we really haven't thought about this even mm. in new who that's true mm. where you have these sort of pat endings where you're like right i'm yeah. not sure this is really going to be good for <laughs> these yeah. people um you know like you've liberated this person from alien captivity but now this person has no idea that they might be a human and they're free now, but they have no money. They have no idea what human civilization is. Good luck in Victorian London. You know? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Not a happy ending. <clears throat> right. So I, and I love what you're saying about the master and sort of using this as a way to sort of interrogate Doctor Who history and, and, and really what it means to be the good guy. Yeah. And I think that's the thought. It's like, you know, what is the role of I think that's a really good if you could break down this is that sort of thing of like you know um the deconstruction of of the of the doctor you know we've never ha- I don't think we've ever had it where you, you know we get little bits and pieces and we have it with companions they've sort of done it with companions haven't they this deconstruction of the doctor with the companions oh he leaves them behind because you know obviously mm-hmm. with David Tennant they had the return of Sarah Jane and they've done it with um the death of um, what's her face? The dim wit. Oh, the, she, she irritated me. The cute bl- uh, brunette that was Capaldi's. Donna Noble. Uh, not to as Donna, but Donna's a good example as well. That sort of thing of like you know what it is to oh, be yeah. yet. And, erasing her. Memory. Yeah, memory and stuff. So that you you have you they've sort of done it with companions. They've tried to do it to that, but I want to go back and be like, yeah, whole planets, mm. <laughs> whole races or ships full of people that have been. You, you know, you came in, you saved the day. Great. You say, or even you saved Earth at this sacrifice. What, you know, you, you have this sort of Earth centric sort of approach. In doing so, you've had this impact. Like there are other planets mm-hmm. that have been, you know, obliterated or something like. I just think there's a really interesting way to look at this to be sort of go, how do we redre- address the balance of like, say, what is to be the good guy? 
And what does that mean? Like, you know, you are this, you know, like this, like that Ronin, you're going to ro- roll into town, save the day and leave. But like, mm. who cleans up the chaos in your path? Right, exactly. And, and I mean, the other thing, as you were talking about all these civilizations, you know, that I think of is what about the cargo cult effect? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, the doctor isn't exactly following uh, first contact rules and, um, you know, avoiding uh, civilizations. Mm. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, he's not trying to make himself a god. People will naturally make you a god. Yeah. You know, they will build airplanes out of out of wood, um, you know, and, and pray that they fly. Um, you know, so. That would be interesting. But, you know, I like what you're saying about, you know, sort of what, you know, interrogating not just Doctor Who, but also this whole sort of adventure uh, genre, right? Mm. Um, You know, what makes the good guy, you know, it's not simply that it's very easy to say, yeah, it's better if the Earth doesn't explode, right? (laughs) You know, I saved the Earth. But... You know, there is this, um, these narratives do, you know, and we've talked a lot about sort of action narratives and how, you know, we are designed to identify with the protagonist of these narratives. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these narratives do sell us on a kind of, you know, masculinity, a kind of idea of who's a hero, and they're defined by these singular moments, right? Or these singular stories, right? I did this, I saved this, you know, I, you know, killed this many guys in war or this guy, you know, jumped on the grenade, but you don't see somebody dealing with the aftermath, you Mm. know, spending 30 years developing the cure for cancer or, you know, writing that novel or whatever. I mean, that's what you do that in a montage. Um, but actually the hard work of like raising a child, you know, or rebuilding a civilization and balancing the needs of your constituents and nobody being happy and everybody thinking they could do it better. And yet, you know, you are saving the colony. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's harder to write is the problem and mm. make entertaining, but it is when it works. I mean, this is so much of why, the shows that do work uh, in sort of like prime cable stuff, like, you know, Breaking Bad and, you know, stuff like that, often are shows that depict the stuff that other shows don't. Yeah. They depict those quiet moments. And instead of just a guy got shot, you spend a whole episode trying to dispose of the body. And it's hard. Yeah. And it, things go wrong. Yeah, you're right. Though, but I think, you know, could this is where... Um, you know, we're coming up to what sixty years of the Doctor. Take that chance. Like this is one. The, the more I watch this back, and I've watched other bits and pieces. Like we've talked about, you know, uh, the stories we've talked about, but then I've jotted around and I've watched a few of the little bits and pieces to sort of get a feel for that Doctor or to get a feel for the sort of like the era. And we haven't really talked about those, um, but like, I am getting this feel of like, you know, there was some there's some good stuff, there's some really terrible stuff, you know. Generally, it's sort of like, you know, it sort of floats between being like this quite sort of yo-yoing. But it's all very safe in that sense of like, this was for, and I understand why. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. This is for this was for basically sort of family and children's entertainment for a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. So I get that. 
But at, at 60, after all this time, especially everything they've done with New Who, maybe you're right. Maybe it's time for them to do <clears throat> an hour special, or an hour-long special, or an hour, sorry, an hour and a half special. Like, and then they can take that to theatres. Like, it's not, you know, make it like a, what they call it, like a, a, a fathom event, like, kind of thing, where for 60, we're not going to do loads of things, but we are going to do a really, like, quite hard-hitting <laughs> Like event where the doctor's got to face up to its past and questions whether he should carry on. Mm. Yeah, and in what form? Not just, you know, physically, but in what form yeah. of adventurer, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I like the sort of like, this is your life sort of yeah. <laughs> idea. That could easily work well. It's also a way of doing sort of like a clip show, mm. um, but a clip show that's really fascinating. Um and, and could be expanded with any number of episodes of sort of going, all right, well, here's what happened next, yeah. uh, which a writer would enjoy. You get to write a little bit and take it however you want and then stop. Yeah. And you could, you could yeah, there's so much you could do. Like, don't forget, the master's got a TARDIS type machine as well. So he could have gone to Macra just, you know, the planet on the Macra Terror just, like, you know, a year after, picks him up. That could be it brings in a couple of people looking disheveled in those uniforms and all sort of like beaten up. And it's just like, yeah, no, this is what you left behind. You know, let's move on. I'll tell you the pitch. The pitch is that is the doctor says, I thought I was going to go to these different planets and places and undo what you did. And just like you saved them. Well, guess what? I'm going to just re-release the green news. Right. Yeah. And, but you know what I found? In most cases, I didn't need to ruin everything because you left it in ruins, didn't you, <clears throat> That That's totally the thing. Yeah, the, the master's <laughs> like, I wanted to really fuck with your six victories. But what I found was is they weren't all victories. Let's have a look at what you left behind. I love that idea. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine, obviously, you know, with like say, if they wanted to challenge themselves, that's something they want to do. Like, you know, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got the who, who, who you know, you got um, what's it? You know, Davis is coming back. You know, he's got he's got the the chops to do that. If they've got the guts to do it, then for sixty years, that's that's what I'm calling for. You know, I'm, I'm curious if like you know, as we're doing this, we're only the, you know, we've gone <laughs> through. This is our fourth iteration of the Doctor. Just, you know, obviously we did the Peter Cushing one as well, and I've enjoyed quite a lot of it. We have nitpicked. That's what we do. But I'm hoping there are Who fans you know to varying degrees that are sort of coming along on this journey with us and i'm now curious to sort of like we are seeing we're forming this idea as we go through these classic doctors and we've still got like you know four to go what what are people thinking as we go along you know i wouldn't i'd love to hear what people are thinking i'm, I'm really putting out there now this thing of like what do you guys think of like where the doctor could should go could go what what how should they treat his future because i think there's so much potential but let's let's see where we go um anyway i am i am well aware of is, you know any of the major points for us to cover for you were going to say i'm well aware of how awful the end of the world looks oh with, that was uh, yes that's what we wanted yeah. to talk about didn't we yes i did want to touch on that <laughs> I was a little bit shocked, in all honesty. Um, so the, the in in the mirror universe, the the, the worst case scenario does happen. Um, the the drill 
uh, breaks through the Earth's crust, the pressure sort of builds and erupts. And we get a, like a two-minute sequence of the Earth being destroyed. Like, there's ash, there's people, like, being... Bl- I don't what were your thoughts watching this? Um, some of it works okay, but a lot of it looks like... Um, a student's first attempt at montage, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like random shots of a, a big thing is lava, right? Mm-hmm. So you see like the earth opening up and lava, and you're like, that is not the climate of England, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that is a volcanic mountainside somewhere. Um, and, and then you know you see things exploding, and it just is not matched um, at, to the point where when somebody reacts in horror and you cut to something that I could conceivably imagine they were looking at, I'm like, Oh, that's not horrible. I mean, I see it's entirely done by juxtaposition, but what were your, your thoughts? No, I was, uh, yeah, I knew it looked a bit, well, not a bit, it looked quite rickety and a bit, a bit shonky, but I was a bit surprised that they went there. They were like, mm. oh, no, we're going to destroy this world and there's going to be an eruption and we are going to depict something to give you a kin to the fact that, like, there's people sat here, like, with this wind blowing around, there's ash going places, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I was like, oh, wow, they are literally telling us this isn't sort of like, they're not shying away from this. This is an eruption that is going to split the world in two or something like that. Like, they don't tell you the main thing. They show it quite, again, it is, it's, it's a bit rickety, but I was quite taken by the impact of it mm. that they were going to show you this um, because again, I I was convinced up until that point that there was going to be some sort of savior moment, you know, he's gonna fly- yeah, there's going to be something. And it, to the fact that that, when that happens, and then they're going to have like, you know, there was going to be something with the TARDIS of like, look, I could, I've got enough energy now to make a trip like you know, 10 minutes back in time. I've got enough just to save this. Then I can go through the dimensions, but there's not. It's mm. just like, no, no, I can just go sideways through to the dimension. And it ends with lava sort of coming towards the doors of the hut that they're in. Yeah. And so I was a little bit like, oh, wow. Like, no, they are, they are destroying this world. <laughs> like, okay. No, I think it's, I think it's cool that they do that for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, although I, I always think, like, I want the Mirror Universe sequel, right? Mm. But, but yeah, I, I think it's cool that they do that, and it's cool that there are these sacrifices. I do have a couple nitpicks, you know, or complaints. One is that there isn't enough gravity to that situation. Mm. I mean, certainly the Doctor, you think, like, one of the greatest moments in, you know, Capaldi stuff is, you know, when you get to the, the, you know, inside the Dalek and he's like, no, no, that guy was doomed anyway. I was just going to take readings of him while he died, you know, yeah. and his, you know, companion is horrified. Um, here he's saying, I just want, you know, no, all you guys are going to die. Your entire planet's going to die. Nah, nothing I can do. I can save myself and try to save this other reality over there. Um, but so there isn't enough weight to it. And the second thing is that, um, uh, well, it is, well, I don't buy this temporal paradox thing of like, <laughs> you can't take anyone else. It's like, you know, it's so stupid. I mean, I know it's a contrivance and it's a cliche and I can't really object to that, but, you know, 
your unique atoms don't cause space-time. Like, the universe is not so aware of the atoms that make up Julian that if two sets of them exist, it says, ah, screw this thing, I'm just blowing up the universe. Mm. It's an it's yeah, it's an easy get out, isn't it? Of like you know, oh, you're gonna cause a paradox. How? What? Hey, eh? this isn't a changing of time. This is this. You've already admitted sideways. Like you know, you being here hasn't caused a paradox. So, but there's no doctor in this universe. That's why. No, 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 no. There's no doctor on Earth. Oh, okay. He yeah. says there's no doctor here, but well, how do you know? You said you said always a no Gallifrey. I don't know. There might be, and he just never. You, he says an infinite universe of choices. All right. Well, in this one, he never stole a TARDIS and never left Gallifrey. Yeah. You know, it, so so it it doesn't even work in that moment because you're like, well, you don't know. Um, yeah. Again, like choices. They should. They could be going for something else. You know. But here um, again, it's kind of like they're not thinking right like the, these plots exist just for the action yeah you could bring back i mean there's only like a few characters left at the end in that little hut space you can bring them back and just shuttle them off to you know torchwood right. or or you know unit yeah. secret hq come join unit there you go evil liz you can't be my companion because you're clearly evil but you could join your skills and knowledge would be very useful at unit and today that that serial would end with her in combat boots and, you know, like a tight leather bustier, you know, yeah. saying like holding a gun, just going like, I'm a tough bitch now working yeah. for the government. That gratuitous shot at the end of everything. Exactly. Pretends it's female positive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm positive she's female. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but you know, like you said, there's other ways around this. It does it fit that the ending feels a little lazy. Like I can't take you back because we can't think of a way around this in time. So move on. Um, but you know, it's it's. Um, I wonder if they'd have if they'd have known that this was Liz. This is the companion's last episode. I don't know if they knew that was going to be the case at this point. Um. If they'd have made, if they could have made choices differently and said, "Yeah, we are going to bring her back and have that thing of them confronting, um, you know, uh, a different version of herself or something." I don't know, but or have yeah, evil Liz kill the good one? You know, I mean, just take a place. <laughs> well, you know, and the doctor said, oh, "I can't work with you." And there are lots of possibilities. Um, yeah. No, I don't yeah. know. It, it's just. Uh... I, oh, I've just thought. I tell you what, I've just. <laughs> oh, <there> you go. <laughs> Sorry, you were talking about the sequel mm. to this. His to so you know Gallifrey. There's been no TARDIS activity on Earth. Gallifrey's out there. In this mirror universe, his TARDIS console shifting back and forth. Is it again? This is this is sci-fi mumbo jumbo. Um, emanates a particular sort of signature that is detected by Gallifrey, and they're like. We've never been to Earth. What the hell was that? Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so they're like, well, we actually detected a TARDIS activity on Earth. We have, you know, in this this in this evil world where they're not called Time Lords or the the Time Overlords. There you go. Mm. Um, and they then they come looking for what this thing is. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I like this. I like this idea. 
Because that's what the Trek would have done, wouldn't it? Sort of like, oh, yeah. it's the, warp, the warp signature is what was detected. That's what brings the Vulcans. Exactly. So it's easy, you know, kind of uh, explanation. Sorry, that was just a side. Right. Uh, well, the other thing is then uh, the, the Time Lords could save whoever you want or, you know, go yeah. back in time and change this or, or whatever. Um, which, is, which is another thing I found weird about that sequence, that sort of the transition from the sixth episode to the seventh. The sixth, just I mean, old who has this problem of like what exactly <laughs> the cliffhanger is. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times, especially in this serial, I think like it's like 30 seconds too early in a weird way. <laughs> or yeah. So yeah. like the lava's coming toward them, and then that's the end. And then the seventh starts, and the doctor is just back in our universe or the, the unit universe, and it's just uh, unconscious on the floor. You never show him going back. Like you never <laughs> yeah. show the. You know, I know for budget reasons you don't want to have the lava hitting, but it seems a very odd rupture to me. Yeah, it fe- that I agree. That one felt budgetary more than any of the others. That one felt budgetary. Where I was like, oh, okay, that that's um, yeah, that, that's like, well, we don't we're not sure we want to. How far can we take that? Well, we've already shot it, so let's just leave it and we'll we'll jump to the next bit. Um, but yeah, it does feel like there's a scene missing, doesn't there? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was, I did feel feel that. Well, um, maybe that you know that's when the time lords came. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, and yeah. saved like saved those people in that hurt. They were like, well, that's where this came from, uh, and sent the just... doctor back. Yeah, uh, and and why is he in a coma? Well, they put him in a coma so he doesn't remember them showing mm. up. Yeah, and then and then yeah, there's a whole section there that we want to talk like. So they, they, there's ways of doing of sequelizing all these things of, of let's call it let's call it wrath of carning these things <laughs> uh, where they can bring them back well i mean the bottom line is that you know while yeah we're writing sequel stuff and speculating there is material here that even though it was made to be disposable in 1970 mm. uh with a shockingly low budget with some horrible low budget <laughs> techniques is still interesting and you know not only are we still talking about it because it's who but there's good stuff in here yeah um and i am amazed going back through these old episodes um i have seen old doctor who stuff that i quite love but i've also seen a lot of old doctor who stuff that i think oh god i gotta get through you know five episodes of this um and this one i kind of felt that way for for two of those episodes but I'm, you know, we you've chosen the the best, or what people think are the best, and mm. I'm pretty happy with this batting average. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I think it's it's interesting. Um, we have nitpicked, and there's there's some massive story issues and other stuff. But mm. one thing I would say is again, like we come back to this, and you know, I think people expect this now. Is it's fun, like it generally is fun. I could understand. I could understand why people were turning up on a Sunday evening to watch this, and why they'd be like, "Oh God, I got to get to the next episode, see what's going on." Like it fits into that serial model, and it works well at doing it. So, yeah, no, it is good fun. Like you know, it, as you said, I think one of the benefits of this one is it's quite clear that the cast are having fun. Yeah, that always that always comes across. That always helps. <laughs> so there's that. Um. But yeah, no, this this was this was actually quite a fun one. I think generally I've enjoyed. It, I, I, I've had issues with them, but in the moment of watching it, as you say, as disposable entertainment, they're all pretty good fun so far. You know, the Aztecs, uh, the Macro Terror, and Inferno have all been pretty good fun. 
I think Aztecs is the weakest for me. I mean, yes. Aztecs is just hard for me to get through. Uh, and there's very little, there's stuff that I like, but I like in the sense of there's a rewritten, reshot version of this that is good. Yeah. What I'm watching is just hard for me to to watch. And there's no point in that where I feel like I really want to watch the next 10 minutes. Mm. Um but, you know, all the others, have, I mean, with Inferno, I definitely feel like the first two episodes, like, oh, my God, I've got to get through seven episodes of this. Yeah. But once I, you hit that third, you know, you're, you're I'm done. I'm, I'm doing having fun. I was curious by the second, like halfway through the second episode, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going to go. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what is going to happen. Like, I'm not sure this is I, knowing this is seven episodes long. I was, I was like. How are they? What's going to happen? So when he does shift, I was like, okay, that's interesting. It's like you've almost like you've restarted the series, mm-hmm. episode three. Yeah, so I was like, all right, cool, I'm down with that. That's fine. <laughs> um, any final thoughts then for Inferno? No, I I think it's good fun. I think it holds up well. It's mm. you know it's sort of disposable fun entertainment, but it's entertaining. Mm. Um, and I'm. Yeah, especially once I hit that third episode, I yeah. was just I'm on the train ride. Yeah, no, I'm the same. It's good. It's good fun. Like they said, there's some issues. I'm I'm, I'm still a little confused as to what the whole green ooze and earthbound <laughs> monsters really means or how that's resolved. Uh, so it's not great in that respect, but it's good fun. I'm interested in seeing sort of like this Doctor Pertwee is is playing it so different. You know, this sort of like dapper. You know, they, they refer to him as a dapper man of action. Is how they sort of you know, the, the blurbs for red. I kind of like that they've gone. You know, they are they're now sort of cracking onto this idea of like how they can be so different and do different things, which is quite cool. Um, <coughs> and we're going to be going forward to like they, well, they seem to be building up to this. It's weird. They, they, it feels like because we're going to go to a Tom Baker mm-hmm. years. It feels like they were building up to it now that I sort of and knowing some of the Tom Baker stuff like that character. They were like, oh, we can actually get away with more <coughs> with the Doctor. Let's try something. So, you know, I know more about the Tom Baker years. I've watched more yeah. of that. Very different character again. Um, holds up that swing of sort of like drama and comedy, um, you know, the anarchic sort of comedy a little bit more. Uh, but we're going for not only... In the next episode, we're going for not only one of the best Tom Baker um, serials, but arguably, in many cases, one of the best classic Who um, serials, Genesis of the Daleks. So I'm really sort of going to go back to that. I'm looking forward to sort of how I feel about it. And it's been a couple of years since I watched it. So, but I've watched it a couple of times. So I'm, I'm, you know, going to go back and it's. Interesting how this Davros is coming for us. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The Borg are about to get a queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but is does it in this case, does it work? It works better than the Borg Queen. I'll yeah. say that. I mean, but you know, they're both uh, you know, sort of robotic species that are anti-individualistic who get a leader who, mm. you know, and I, I do think Davros works better. Yeah. Well, well, we'll hold up for the next episode because got, we've got Davros coming in. And I think, you know, some some actually really interesting um, ideas in Who as well. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be the next episode. Genesis of the Daleks. I hope you're keeping up with this, guys. Uh, as I said, I'm watching it on, on BritBox. 
but it's available all over the place. You know, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays on some movies like some bits and pieces on YouTube. I'm sure there's other um, illicit ways of watching it as well. So please hope you're watching along. Um, and we're at Pod Time Space. If you want to say where Doctor Who should go next, or how you're enjoying our trek through Doctor Who history. Yes, yes, really do. I'm, I'm so fascinated. Please reach out to us. Like you know, I'm going to be putting out polls and different bits and pieces around this as we go through. Um, yeah, some some who kind of bits and pieces. Um, some who trivia. I want some who trivia from the, from from people. Let us know what you think. Um, but also, if you really like what we're doing, if you do like what we're doing, go to your um, look at your device, go on your podcast catcher, leave us a review, any stars, but preferably five stars. Uh, and you know, we like to sort of see how that feedback um you know comes through and it helps in the ratings lets more people see us and that sort of stuff you know what um, you really want to do is just go onto your podcast place and just go through every single one of our episodes and just go five star five star five, five. yes you, yeah, you could yeah. you can listen to them later but you know if you love mm. us as we love you you know that's what you can do to just really help get attention to the show that's totally and also if you really want to like go if you're you know if you have contacts with the bbc or Russell T. Davis, pass it on. <laughs> We're open to a discussion. We have a fee, I'm sure, you know, he'll appreciate that, but we we are open to a discussion. Um, but yes, but also, if you do like what we're doing, if you really enjoy these conversations that we're having right here, please go and check out our Patreon. Uh, there's a link down below. I'm not even going to say what it is anymore because it sort of, it doesn't translate to Audible, but like, go check out the link down below because Julian and I do a weekly podcast where we are working our way through the Twilight Zone. So we're doing Classic Who here and we're doing Twilight Zone over there. We've done the first series, we're getting into the second season now. Uh, some of the best Rod Serling stuff fantastic conversations it's really good and then in addition to that there's a, a monthly podcast called 30 minute thoughts where i give my thoughts of something for 30 minutes and then a quarterly podcast where we get on a creator of all kinds of different pieces uh to talk about what it is they create why they create it how they promote it and all that kind of stuff uh so go and check out the links down below and it you know all that money goes into helping us keep the lights on and keeps our boss tiller and lem uh happy and um in well, we're not going to talk about what he eats because it's quite disgusting, but it keeps him in, in food. Um, but anyway, as always, Julian, thank you very much for the discussion today. It's been fantastic. It's my pleasure. And I'm just glad that uh, I hope Tilleran is happy and won't beat us again. Yeah, yes. I'm getting over the last one. The bruises are starting to shrink away now, so I'm, I'm, I'm all right. But uh, yeah, we've got, to keep the, we've got to keep the overlord happy. Um, but yes, thank you very much for the discussions. And we'll be back next episode with more Doctor Who. streams.